You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the Dan Patrick Show, bringing you the biggest guests and best interviews. We're talking to Andrew Brandt, the Monday morning quarterback columnist. If Jamal Adams called you for advice today, what would you tell him? Once you get to trade demands, then you're not talking. Then it's kind of like baseball. Then you're just kind of in the corners. You know, can we get to a contract and not have him sit for two years waiting for that to happen? Talking to Paul Feinbaum of the Mothership. If you ran Oklahoma State's athletic program, what would you do? I would get rid of him. Really well known for one thing, Dan. He he gave a memorable speech. I'm 40 and I'm a man. He's 50 now and uh, he's a buffoon. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave, this is Dan Patrick. Hope you had a great weekend. Gang's all here, ready to go. A lot of topics to dive into. We'll talk to the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey. He'll join us coming up a little bit. Adam Sandler will stop by in the final hour of the program. We'll talk to Nick Wright from uh, Fox Sports. Your phone calls are always welcome. Best and worst of the weekend, what you saw that you liked, you didn't like from over the weekend. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Say good morning to Chat Row, those watching on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show, and of course, listening on our great radio affiliates around the country, numbering 362. College football world was shook over the weekend by reports of positive coronavirus tests throughout the nation. And you look at the two teams that met in the national title game less than six months ago. LSU had to quarantine 30 players. Clemson had over 20 players who tested positive. I don't know if anybody was hospitalized, but... That's been the story all over as players return to facilities, putting the game of football aside, though. You hope everybody's okay in a situation like this. And with uh, the college sports debate coming on the uh, heels of the COVID-19 impact, get ready for the sports media to dip its toes into medical waters that they're not used to. And it's dangerous to do it. Um, College football has an extra layer of intrigue, though, this year. Uh, players are finding voices in a number of areas, and hopefully that'll lead to a new way in determining if they're going to feel safe. We saw this with UCLA. Some of their players were uh, uncertain about Chip Kelly. I think they walked that back a little bit. But we would love to see college football go off without a hitch. But to do that, the sport uh, that doesn't always have strong leadership at the top has to step up and be smart in the coming weeks and months. And that's why we wanted to talk to Greg Sankey of the SEC, because this is going to happen. And you start wonder, is, is this sort of the strategy of, hey, these kids are going to test positive and let's get it out of the way. And here we are in June. Uh, it sounds callous to say it that way, but you have to wonder if you're going to have these players get together. It's football. If you're going to get together, the number of you know, student-athletes are going to be getting together. And I've tried to remain cautiously optimistic. I don't want to be an alarmist. I'm just adding logic to this, reason to this. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen all over the country with players. Certain states that weren't hotspots are now hotspots. And now where does that go? You know, how big does this get? You know, I, I, I think we look at college football and say, well, we got time here. We don't. I mentioned this late last week. You know, the NFL looked like, oh, you got a lot of time here. You don't. You got football 
You got a first game in August, which I don't see how it's played. I don't see how that Hall of Fame game is played. Do not. But you're going to have players reporting, and how are you going to be able to pull this off? And I just don't see it happening. Even the NBA, you know, had these spikes, the test, and, you know, the number of cases in Florida. And it may not sound like a lot, you know, 4,000 new, but then it's 4,000 of who did they come in contact, who did they come in contact, and then you start to play connect the dots, the numbers games. You know, Everybody says full speed ahead, the NBA, we're optimistic. Well, I mean, I don't think Adam Silver is going to come out and go, man, uh, what are we thinking? I'm saying that, what are we thinking? But who am I? I said it before from the outset, continue to say it. We have to be cautious with this. We want everything to come back, and it's not going to come back to normal or the new normal, as we like to say. You're going to have more of these tests, more of these spikes, more positive tests. But is this the logic? Is this the game plan? Bring them back. Let them test positive. They're young. They're healthy. And, uh, you know, they're going to be quarantined with everybody else here. I don't know if that's the strategy, but it feels that way. So we'll talk to the SEC commissioner uh, about what is going on. The other big story that was late last night, but certainly it is exploding today, has to do with uh, Bubba Wallace, NASCAR driver. NASCAR's race at Talladega was canceled yesterday due to the rain, postponed, and uh, it'll be run today at 3 o'clock this afternoon. So postponed due to the rain. And uh, a noose was found in his garage where his car is. And uh, he's the only full-time black driver in uh, NASCAR's Cup Series. And he had been wearing Black Lives Matter on his car, his paint. He wore uh, I Can't Breathe t-shirts. You know, he's been very outspoken. And uh, I think it's been really um, illuminating that you've seen how NASCAR has changed overnight with saying we don't want the Confederate flag here, but there's always going to be outliers. You know, and, and when you realize what racism, racism is fueled by ignorance and fear. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And I think that's what you're seeing. And, uh, you know, Bubba Wallace had been doing so many great things and, and courage to stand up in that sport. And the noose was meant to put him in his place, plain and simple. He uh, sent out a tweet. This was late last night. Today's despicable act of racism and hatred leaves me incredibly saddened and serves as a painful reminder of how much farther we have to go as a society and how persistent we must be in the fight against racism. He's got to go out and race today. I can't imagine what his night must have been like. Now he's got to go out and race. And, you know, due to the COVID-19 uh you know, the restrictions that we have, there's very few people that would have access to his garage. I don't know Talladega. I don't want to act like I know Talladega. Paulie sent me some pictures of the garages, and they're really close to one another. And if somebody had a noose and was hiding it and was able to throw it on the floor, I don't even know where it was found, but it, that doesn't matter as far as where it was found. Somebody did it. Do we have cameras? to be able to find out who this person is. Because this is a hate crime. Somebody's going to go to jail for this. It's a hate crime. Plain and simple. And NASCAR wants you to be comfortable. 
And I know it's easy to go, well, why did it take them so long? Man, let's look at progress here. You're right. I mean, evolving. We're all evolving. We're trying to evolve. We're trying to understand. Hell, I didn't know what Ole Miss meant last week. We're evolving. We're asking. We're reading. We're curious. We need to be. That's all. NASCAR, yes, it took them forever. But they did something. Ole Miss, that is what the slaves called the wife of, you know, the slave owner. The slave owner's wife was Ole Miss. I didn't know it. I truly did not know it. UNLV running Rebels. I did not know that Reb was for a Confederate general. Didn't know. But now you evolve, you listen, you learn, you understand. We're trying to understand better. But I can't imagine that this true hero, Bubba Wallace is a damn hero. Because that's not easy to do what he did. Now you go to work today. He's there now. He's got a race at three. He's walking in that garage. And I don't know what he could be thinking. But I hope the hell he wins. I don't root. I mean, I've rooted for Dale Jr. I've rooted for Denny Hamlin. I've rooted for certain guys in certain situations. Good God, I hope America is rooting for Bubba Wallace today. But that pressure, what that must be like, he said, you're not going to break me. And I'm not surprised he said that because I wouldn't think it would break him. But wow, you know, you just, you got small-minded people who do this, and it's out of fear and ignorance. But, you know. And we're going we're gonna to see if we can get the right guest on. And, and, you know, I'd love to have somebody who could tell me just what those garages are like at Talladega because uh, I've, I've been to a couple of events, but, you know, you don't take pictures like that, snapshots where you go, oh, oh, that's right. You know, Paulie sent me pictures of Talladega. I mean, it... It's it's like an airplane hangar with all of these different garages. You have your your separate little you know spaces there. Your car is next. To, you basically police each other because the drivers are right next to one another. Your car next to the other one, but people have access to that. And even if we've limited this greatly, the access that people have because of the pandemic, there's still some people who could come in. The, the cleaning people, crew, you know. NASCAR, you know, I think is referring to this as an inside job. I would think it would have to be from the standpoint of how many people would have access to this and what kind of camera coverage would you have because you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in those garages. But the exterior cameras, I'm going to guess it's uh, only a matter of time before we find out who this is. But that person should go to jail. That's a hate crime. Uh, say good morning to the Danettes. Uh, hey, Paulie. Uh, Dan, I just put together a couple of different reports from different NASCAR reporters. The garages at most NASCAR events, um, th- there's about 15 people per team. That's what some of the reporters are saying. If you look, there's over 40 teams. So you're looking at five or 600 team employees just on the property that all have access. They don't really hang out in each other's garages, but they could. And they're open air. It's basically 
40 open-air garages. Talladega specifically has a garage fan experience, but the reports are that it was not open yesterday because of the rainout. But usually they would have a, a controlled atmosphere where fans can walk by behind a barrier and see the garage, as they said that was not going on yesterday. But between track officials, people who are bringing water and other services, they said there was upwards of 800 people who had access to the garages during the day yesterday. And somebody could sneak a, a, a noose in, you know, if somebody had a fire suit on. I mean, I don't think that would be difficult to be able to get it in there. The question is, how many people are there and do you have cameras there? And I'm sure that there are drivers on both sides of Bubba Wallace's car. Was anybody else there? Did anybody else see anything? But He's got to go out and race today. I didn't see the weather weather at Talladega, but he, he has to go out and race today. And it might be delayed again today. I don't know, but I can't imagine that. Can't imagine that. And all of the positivity that had happened with NASCAR, with Bubba Wallace, and then this. And I know it's one person, and maybe, well, maybe it's not one person, but it's one person who did this. Um, I don't know. It just, it's a, like a punch, punch in the stomach where you go, come on, come on. Uh, all right. So, you know, Paulie and Fritz here working on getting the right guest here. I just want somebody who can move this forward. I think, you know, we're all bothered by this. Uh, but I, you know, I, I want to have somebody who can help us understand a little bit more of just the proximity of everything. Because we all know it's wrong. Um, and I, I'll be watching a NASCAR race today. <laughs> I wasn't planning on it, but I will be today if, uh, if they're able to. Uh, a rough weekend for college football, as I mentioned, with the athletes. Um, baseball, no progress. You know, it goes back to what I keep telling you. This is all scripted here. The one thing baseball has to be aware of. Even if you get the players to cave in and play your 50 games and give them the money and it's prorated and it's whatever it is, you divvy it up, you better get your damn act together on the virus and being able to come back and play. That hadn't even been talked about. Hey, let's go down to spring training. Hey, let's go down to Florida. Oh, we got some guys who are testing positive here. <sighs> It's 9.15 on a Monday. I had a good weekend. I can't be this upset this early. <sighs> Let me take a break. Uh, this program brought to you by LegalZoom. Need to make it legal? Make it LegalZoom.com. Visit LegalZoom.com today for more information. They're not a law firm, but you uh, don't have to leave your home. You get a network of uh, uh, attorneys here to help you, giving you the legal advice that you need. We'll take a break. We'll talk to the SEC commissioner Greg Sankey, on all these positive tests. Also, Ole Miss in that situation with the Confederate flag. What's the SEC going to do? Find out next. It's 15 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR. We'll come up with a poll question. Got a stat of the day, play of the day, all of that coming up. Your phone calls, once again, you know, I love to have fun on this show, but there are times when we just aren't going to. And, uh, you know, we started that way. 
certainly with what happened with uh, the football players testing positive, what happened at Talladega with Bubba Wallace. But uh, best and worst of the weekend, I'll let you guys uh, tell me what you liked, you didn't like, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. He's the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey's uh, back with us. Uh, commissioner, thanks for joining us. Uh, how would you recap the weekend in the SEC? <laughs> Well, I'll try not to add to your frustration on a Monday morning. How about if I start there? Um, you know, you really, with the issues of the day, you go back to a statement I made Thursday night about the, the past, being pastime for change to the state flag in Mississippi. Um, you saw, just to cover all the bases, reports about quarantining around COVID-19 on some of our campuses. Not necessarily all positive tests. But I think we have to be intentional about how we communicate. Uh, Saturday, in fact, it wasn't until Sunday I saw a group of uh, football players from Old Miss uh, post a video, take a stand on the need for change on a monument that appears in the square in Oxford. So I think that's real life in 2020, isn't it? That's exactly the type of issues we're dealing with. It's uh, unprecedented in some ways, but a reality that change is a constant in our life, whether we want to acknowledge that change or not. Can Old Miss continue to be old Miss? Oh, sure. I think that's that's up to them. There's a lot going uh, going on right now in those conversations. I think I look at it, it my responsibility is, as a conference commissioner because we have so much that can go on. We have championships. We'll go out to bid soon. We have others that rotate uh, that I needed to take that stand. And I know that their chancellor and their campus leadership has worked hard on these issues. And uh, when you have things in place for years, sometimes it takes uh, time to work through everything. Go back to, you know, the banning of sticks as a way to deal with the flag issue back in the 90s. And that was the leadership needed then. And we've got a different type of leadership expectation now. The number of uh, positive tests over the weekend. I, I don't. Can you explain the process? Do coaches have to tell you what has happened on their campus with their football teams? No, we don't rely on our coaches for that information. We have a weekly call with a medical advisory committee, a group we've been working with for several months now. And those are medical leaders tied either to their athletics program or the university. So we'll receive updates there. And and again, I think that's where it's important to understand there, there's testing outcomes. And then there is essentially tracing outcomes where because of potential contacts, uh, quarantining takes place, even though someone may not have tested uh, positive for COVID-19. What kind of options are you looking at for the season? Yeah, I, I describe this as a marathon. And really, I caught the end of your previous segment on the return to activities that may or may not happen in Major League Baseball or in other sports. I know they're all preparing for that. We're living uh, that reality. We're dealing literally with voluntary athletic re- related activities. And we know that within our facilities, we can provide the kind of care and oversight that guides people in the right way, keeps them healthy. We're also learning that 19 and 20 year olds will do what 19 and 20 year olds do. And that is maybe not listen to all the advice that exists. Uh, I think their immunity level or their, their strength and conditioning can prevent uh, them from being uh, having a positive test or, or contracting the virus. And, and I think that's a lesson that everyone still has to learn, that the discussions about masks and, and how we maintain our health. These are real issues that help us 
uh, move forward. We're, we're still months away from what could be the potential kickoff. That's our focus. But as I've said repeatedly, we have to prepare to adjust to the circumstances, just like we're adjusting right now after the last four or five days. What will those adjustments, what are the possible, and maybe you don't want to get into hypotheticals, to be fair to you, but I, I, I'm, I, everybody's optimistic about this, Commissioner, but man, I, I just, I don't know. I have serious doubts about how we're going to pull all, any of this off. I, I really am. And nobody, uh, like nobody on like my side of the microphone when you're asked questions has been uh, overly optimistic. And I'm, I'm certainly realistic. It is, it is a marathon. And I don't know where the finish line is. And, and in my life, I finished 41 marathons. And at least I knew with the exception of one where they mismeasured that the finish line was 26.2 <laughs> miles. You can imagine my frustration. How I knew it felt longer than it was. And here we know there's a finish line, but where is it? And so, Dan, I have to look at this as each step. And a couple of weeks ago, we opened up our athletic facilities again, voluntary activities. What you're seeing now in the news is a reaction to the plans that were put in place. Um, today's another milestone. Uh, the NCA made a decision to allow an elevated level of practice. I'll call it come July 13th. I think that's the next stage. And right around that time, we'll, we'll have to come to some conclusions on whether uh, we can move forward as planned or not. Was this planned or this was expected that you would have these kids test positive? Well, it was prepared for it. The okay. goal was never to expect zero. That's just not reality yeah. around us. It yeah. is to been a, it, it, the plan was test when they arrive. We had positive tests when people came back. And we have embedded medical professionals in our athletics program. That's part of what I think gets missed is the level of care provided for young people on our campuses on a daily basis. And then there was preparation for the what ifs. And so those hypotheticals that I have avoided answering are very much a part of planning. What do we do if a bunch of people go to a party where someone tests positive? You're going to be in quarantine. What do we do if there's a positive test? What do we do when they come back? How many people can be allowed in a facility? What is the spacing? What is the expectation when you walk in and leave? What is the continuing reinforcement? about the education provided that, well, you made it through one week doesn't make you make, doesn't mean you'll make it through two unless you take care of yourselves. And uh, there are no guarantees. You can go back to March where we all thought we were playing basketball tournaments and March Madness would happen. And we made assumptions and we have fewer assumptions made. And that's why we have to prepare for a whole set of contingencies. Uh, we talked about it last time and, uh, I, if you can give me an update, will the SEC maybe just have conference games? I'm like, the, is the game plan to have just conference games, or is it a full slate? We've we've gone through. I think we're just short of twenty uh, scenarios. Um, the the plan, the focus is to prepare to play a schedule, and then to to pivot off of that. And there are any number of options that could allow an entire schedule to be played, both conference and non-conference. But everybody in this country has to be a part of that at the collegiate level. That's just a little bit more complex than, say, the NFL putting its schedule out or delaying because all of those things are controlled by a central entity. So I think we'll keep that focus, but we'll plan for contingencies that could be you know, probably anything you read about from a speculative standpoint. Maybe just uh, Alabama and LSU play 12 times. 
Okay. <laughs> you know, I can take one of those a year. I assure you, <laughs> one of those a year. <laughs> Imagine the stress level in my life varies. Right now, it's an odd summer of stress, but I don't know about one of those every week. Commissioner, thank you. We appreciate your time, and uh, good luck. Well, I appreciate the continued conversation. Thank you. That's uh, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC. Phone calls are welcome, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. McLevin, you have a poll question for me today. Yeah, I have a bunch of them uh, ranging from serious to not so serious. Let's start not so serious. Okay. How disappointing was Father's Day? <laughs> See, I know my wife is not wait, listening. Wait, this are morning. you saying that that's that's not serious? <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was the less serious. I I guess uh, that's my way of asking how was your Father's Day and mildly passive aggressively complaining about All right. mine. All right, let's get it over with. Let's just get it out, McLovin. I don't know. It just wasn't what I expected, and it never ever is. I have expectations of what Father's Day is going to be. And no matter what happens, I feel disappointed. I'll be honest. Paulie has a theory. I have a theory that all of us as dads, I think, and I know I do this. My wife goes, what do you want for Father's Day? What do you do, want to do? I'm like, I don't need anything. I got everything. This is awesome. Uh, what about, do you want to go out and eat? I'm like, let's just get some dogs and burgers and brats and grill. Make it nice and easy. Then Father's Day comes and it's exactly what I asked for. No big presents. No big hubbub. And I'm like, oh, that's it, huh? No one's uh, running around cheering. No signs on the, there's no banners up yeah but when when it's your wife and she says don't do anything for me for mother's day we go above and beyond the call of duty yeah we're experts yes because we know we're supposed to do that but the women take us at our word they do don't, what we ask don't i don't need anything i beer doesn't even have to be cold hun i'm good don't even i don't care yeah, no, I'm good. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It's not, no big deal. Well, I had to share Father's Day with my daughter's birthday. Ugh. So I really got kicked to the curb. It was, you know, happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, yeah. And happy Father's Day. And I went, all right. I, I didn't get anything. I didn't get a card. A card? I didn't get a card. Wow. Yeah. It's over, Johnny. I took, I, I, I took an O for, I went O for five yeah. with my wife and my four kids. Dang, I went right. 0 for 5. I got I got nothing. Yeah, McLovin. Did you get a random text from friends saying happy Father's Day? I got like four of those. Yeah, yeah. I don't, no, I got that. Yeah, I don't, that didn't do anything for me. Huh. Yeah, Fritzy. Not even a repurposed card from the drawer from, you know, years no, past? No, no, I we, we went out to, uh, well, we didn't go out. We went to pick up dinner at one of my favorite Italian restaurants and brought that back last night, which was nice. I got, got a couple of cards. Uh, <laughs> we were, that, was, that was my second choice. And um, it was actually very nice. We went, uh, we went as a family on a nice little walk around the neighborhood and got some, uh, got some sun. And we, um, I got a, uh, some big thermos because my wife knows I like to walk a lot these days. That keeps the ice nice and cold. And uh, I also had asked for a grooming kit. We don't have to get into the details of that. I had a little incident last night about uh, my reaction to the grooming kit that I got as another uh, Father's Day gift. Mm. I got a little aggressive. I'll leave it at that. What part of you needs groomed? There were some areas that I wanted to clean up a little bit, a little manscaping, and uh, I'm like, I had to lather myself in like desitin and aloe vera for a, a good portion of the night last night. I just got a little too excited. Whose choice was it? No, it was mine. I, I, I told her that it's something that I, oh, that okay. I wanted. I, you know, if she would have said it, I would have been a little uncomfortable with that. I would have been like, what are you saying? Like I'm some kind of like hairy monster or something like that. But I, I, I cleaned myself up, and the next thing I knew, there was just there was rashes and blistering and stuff. 
Uh, <laughs> Happy Father's Day. What else do you have, McLovin? By the way, it started off so nice going to an Italian <laughs> restaurant and went there. Uh, now, um, because it always goes there. Yeah. It never doesn't go there. Every story ends up at Todd's groin. It's food and Todd's groin. And it wasn't even bowel related this time. This was the other side. What else do you have, McLovin? Okay, do you want the uh, Dak Prescott poll or the obligatory, are we going to have an MLB season poll? Oh, God. How about Dak Prescott? Okay. He's uh, he he's going to sign his tender today. Yeah, this you know America's long nightmare is not over because it, now it's just he signed this, and then we're going to wait and see if he's going to sign a long term contract. But I thought that maybe if he he signed that four year deal, I know they want a five year. He wants four so he can get back into the free agency market at, before he's thirty. I understand that that logic, but. I thought maybe if he signs that long-term deal, then we don't have to hear about Dak Price. Is Dak Price what's he worth? Is he going to be you know worth forty million dollars? Here he is at thirty-one, and then if they franchise him next year, it's thirty-seven. But the Cowboys are going to sign him. The question is, is is it a four or five-year deal? Yeah, McLeod. Here's my question: Without okay. looking at a single number or even citing it, when I ask you, is Dak Prescott a top ten quarterback? What's your answer? I would say no. I don't think he'll ever be able to put up the numbers to validate his contract in a lot of people's eyes, but that doesn't mean he's not worth it. It's just, I think you'll look at his numbers and you'll go, oh, okay, 27 and nine interceptions. Um, okay. I want to see if they can win. That That's all I care about. Dak Prescott, I think he'll validate those numbers by winning. I don't think we're going to see a season where you go, oh my God, he's going to throw 40 touchdown passes. And I think people will look at him and go, eh, he didn't really live up to that contract. He'll live up to the contract by winning, not putting up gaudy numbers. Yeah, Paul. It seems like the Cowboys, they're going to have 30 million plus a year in a good quarterback. Not a, You just said a lot of people don't think he's a great quarterback. And they also had their running back, whose best years are probably behind him. They gave him a six-year contract. Yeah. He'll be making uh, you know, $18 million a year in four years, unless they cut him. They gave Amari Cooper $100 million. Like, everybody got paid. This is, it better go well in the next three years for the Cowboys, or it's going to be ugly. But, that you know, Jerry, he, you know, obviously he wants that Super Bowl. He wants one more Super Bowl. And he wants to prove that he can do it. He doesn't need Jimmy Johnson or some of these other, you know, I, I don't need Troy and Emmett and Michael. I can do it on my own. And then you're going, okay, good luck with that. And he does pay everybody. So Dak Prescott's just the next guy up. You know, in three years from now, we'll look back and go, oh, okay, Dak's making whatever. And that's the way it happens. How many times did we go like this incredulous reaction to a salary? You go, can you believe that guy's making? And then we just move on. And then we'll move on from the next guy and the next guy. Watson will be next up. And then Mahomes. Yeah, McLovin. Another poll. Okay. Another guy who wants to get paid, Jamal Adams, jet safety. Yeah. If you're a teammate of Jamal Adams, he said over the week, there was a video of him saying, I'm trying to get to Dallas. Yeah. Are you angry with him or are you saying, take me with you? In other words, you like be like, yeah, dude, I get it. I don't know Jamal Adams. Doesn't seem like he's happy. Jets don't want to pay him. Jets don't have any star players. If I'm Jamal Adams, 
Do I want to be in a place that now doesn't value what I do? And that is being one of the better safeties in the sport. That's part of the problem. It's a position that we don't care about. He basically is a guy who creeps up for blitzes and stopping the run. Okay. Do you want to spend your most, most of your money on a guy like that? Or that's your featured guy. Not exactly bringing fans to the stands when we're able to go to a game. Hey, can't wait to watch Jamal Adams. He's a really good player, but if the team doesn't value you at that position, then it would be time to move on. Yeah, McLevin. But the whole league doesn't value that. The highest Well, Dallas might. Well, I was wondering, you just said all the guys are paying. How can they pay Jamal Adams $20 million on top of all those other guys? I don't know, but I, I want whoever's doing their books to do my taxes because I, I think I might, <laughs> I might be able to get a little bit more on the IRS. What else do you have, McLevin? Uh, okay, this this is not meant to be mean, but how many people knew that both the Belmont Stakes and the ESPYs <laughs> were this weekend? Because I, I kind of vaguely knew, but without watching live sports to promote it, I wasn't as aware of it as I usually am. I wasn't aware of the ESPYs. Because I haven't been watching ESPN because there hasn't been anything on that you would normally tune in for. Um, Belmont, I only knew because uh, I picked up the New York Daily News. And they had a spread about that and the horses in it. And that was the only reason why I knew the Belmont stakes were going to be run. Yeah, McLovin. I just turned to McLovin. I said, the Belmont was really this weekend? Oh, yeah. I didn't turn on the TV from Friday since I left. Yeah, the the favorite one. <laughs> I was. I thought he was joking. No, no, the Belmont. The I Belmont love the Belmont. Really... I missed it. Where are you guys? Well, yeah, but I, I, I love that the Belmont... See, this would have been where the Belmont was going to get some recognition because the Belmont doesn't get recognition. It's always, hey, you won the first two legs. Let's watch the Belmont. Oh, uh, the, the Kentucky Derby winner lost the Preakness. We don't care about the Belmont. Oh, the horse that didn't win the Derby won the Preakness. Uh, we're not going to watch the Belmont. We watch the Belmont if we think there's history, but that's about it, it feels like. And now you have it where you go, hey, the Belmont, you got the whole weekend to yourself, aside from golf. And there was very, I think the ESPYs might have been less publicized for, I think that was strategic on ESPN's part. They probably did, to, you know, let's, although they had a lot of really important moments there last night with uh, Russell Wilson Jr., the third. And uh, Megan Rapino, Sue Bird, but it you know they were it was hard to put it all together. Uh, they had a beautiful tribute to Moore Matt, who was really the the genius behind the ESPYS, tireless worker who passed away. But uh, you know I watched some of it. I wanted I wanted to hear Malcolm Jenkins, um, and there were moments there that you forget, and that's what's great about the ESPYS. They allow you to think back on or reflect back or watch some of these events that took place in the calendar year. But um, I, I wasn't I wasn't too up to date on the ESPYS being last night, and certainly with the Belmont. All right, we'll take a break. Phone calls, best and worst of the weekend. Eight seven seven three DP show. Got our play of the day coming up next here. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. 
We'll uh, check in with NASCAR coming up at the top of the hour. A little bit more of what happened yesterday. The race is this afternoon, weather permitting. And uh, some more details about Bubba Wallace and uh, his stall in the garage where they found a noose. I'm just curious the number of people that had access to that area and what is the camera coverage there because that's a hate crime and somebody's going to go to jail for it. I was mentioning Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott had 30 touchdowns last year. Now that's second most in team history. I just don't know if he's going to put up gaudy numbers because they are run first team, or at least they've been built that way. Here is the biggest problem I have with Dak Prescott. In eight wins last year, he threw 22 touchdowns and four interceptions. His quarterback rating was 120. And here we go with the eight losses. Eight touchdowns, seven interceptions, and 83% quarterback rating. Yeah, McClellan. Is it, remember we used to blame everything on Jason Garrett, though? Maybe a new coach will <laughs> change it. I don't know. I mean, uh, Well, they better. Aaron Rodgers' numbers were better with Mike McCarthy than they were with Matt LaFleur. So maybe this sets up well for Dak and his style. He seems like a West Coast kind of quarterback. I think Mike McCarthy will be great for Dak Prescott. But it, it's more of the play calling. I think that's important. Uh, and I like Dak Prescott. Like, if you said he's my quarterback moving forward, I'm fine with that. I think he's a good quarterback. I just need him to be great at times. And you saw with those those eight losses, he wasn't even good. He wasn't even average. Yeah, McLovin. Doesn't a lot depend on Zeke, too? When defense is half, when he's doing well, they do well, right? You've always said yeah. run and defense. Well, that play action. When you have play action, then that frees everybody up. And they have weapons there. And then they go out and get C.D. Lamb. I expect them, to, but I expected that two years ago and last year. I mean, I thought that they had the talent to go to the Super Bowl last year. I really, really did. They couldn't even win the division. In that division. Yeah, Paul. Jason Garrett's going into year. What year do you think Jason Garrett is going into as Dallas Cowboys head coach? First number that pops in your head. Well, what do you mean? How many years has he been there as the Dallas Cowboys head coach, Jason Garrett? Well, he's not there. No, but he made it 11 years. Yeah. Like, he was there for 11 years. Yeah, well, he's not there now. I know, but what I'm saying is like he made it 11. That's second only to, to Landry. He, then remember they had him for years there. They hit a four and twelve season, I think, in two thousand fifteen, and that was the chance to get out. But he's the second most tenured coach in that team's history. No one else has been there more than five years. Yeah. For some reason, Jerry Jones wanted to keep him, uh, and he had an ample opportunity to to get rid of him. And now he's with the Giants. Sean in Indiana. Hey, Sean, what do you have for me today? Dan, good morning. I got a best and worst for you. Um, Saturday was my birthday, so I had a great weekend overall, pampered both days. But on Saturday, my 8-year-old had a baseball game, and he hit for a single, double, and triple. And they were legit shots. The worst of the weekend was on his fourth at-bat, he was on deck, and the kid before him hit so that we got too many runs in the inning, and my son never got it. Uh, another at-bat in the game to hit for the cycle. <laughs> that can't be a bad day, Sean. 
Well, no, I mean, it, it was still a good day. I was proud of him and stuff, but we were all disappointed because this triple, like, landed just before the fence. Wait, how old is he, and Sean? I, I, I think he's eight. Oh, come on. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think you'll have a chance again, though, Sean. Thank you. Like, if that's your bad day, I would have taken if my son had a single, let alone the double and triple. Ryan in South Carolina. Hi, Ryan. What do you have? Hey, 57170. Good morning. My best of the weekend um, after... After uh, plenty of meat Fridays, we, uh, me and my brother got my my father a Traeger pellet grill. Awesome. Awesome. And, and then uh, my worst of the weekend, um, you know, it was a great weekend until last night, late last night, I, I, uh, I read about the Bubba Wallace situation. And I just hope, for my peers' sake, I hope that, um, I hope it hits home that w- with this one, especially because... You, you just get to see that even at, you know, at a high level like NASCAR, he still has to deal with that on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And, uh, well, thank you for the phone call. We're going to talk to Dave Moody, uh, lead uh, turn announcer for Motor Racing Network, and uh, he hosts Sirius XM Speedway, uh, just to get his thoughts on, on this. Because I'm, I'm just curious about the proximity of Talladega with how many people have access to this. And is there camera i i have to imagine that the amount of money that's in each one of these stalls i would i would bring my own camera like i would have simply safe i could put those cameras in there and then it would go to my phone if my car is in there and i'm i haven't heard if nascar says we have camera coverage at talladega but we'll find out We'll have that coming up at the top of the hour. Also, I'm having Nick right on. I think he's a really talented host with Fox Sports. But he's, he's I think, the last sports announcer to have a conversation with Colin Kaepernick. And I want to know how optimistic Nick is. And, and Nick, you know, I guess defines their relationship as a friendship. So he calls Colin Kaepernick his friend. And I wanted to have Nick on talk about that. How optimistic is that Colin Kaepernick's going to get a chance. Adam Sandler, what was it, 30 years ago this week, he started at Saturday Night Live? To the day. So Sandman will join us. i got to ask him about that project, that basketball project that he's working with LeBron James on. One hour in the books, two more to go.